This episode may contain adult themes and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Sorry. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Film Critic of the Common Man podcast. Other film podcasts might assault criminals. We have a strict rule to only assault women beaters. Every episode, we discuss a film from the perspective of a film critic and the perspective of a common man. We may not agree, but it certainly won't be boring. I'm your co-host, Ben Miller. Uh, I write about films from my own site, Ice Cream for Freaks, and a member of the North Texas Film Critics Association, as well as the International Film Society Critics. You can hear me guest on other pods as the David Thewlis of podcasting. I am joined by my brother and comment co-host, a man who just wants to retire to Arizona with a prostitute, Jake Miller. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How about you? So uh, as you can tell, we're not actually looking at the camera for a change because we're actually in the same room. We never get to be in the same room. So uh, this uh, it'll be a nice little change of pace to uh, actually talk to each other as opposed to... I've- I feel like we kind of have like proof of life that we're actually brothers. <laughs> actually, yes, I do the same thing with film critics. Anytime I see them in real life, it's like, look, I'm not just an internet presence. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, we just, actually we actually do have some interaction. Um, so today we are going to talk. So last week we talked about uh, Cool Hand Luke, Jake's mm-hmm. favorite movie. Today we're going to go into my essentially favorite movie. Uh, we're talking L.A. Confidential, directed by Curtis Hansen, written by Brian Helgeland and Curtis Hansen. Uh, based on the novel by James Elroy, starring Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, and Kim Basinger, co-starring James Cromwell, David Strathairn, Simon, uh, Simon Baker, Ron Rifkin, and Danny DeVito, opened on May 14, 1997 at the Cannes International Film Festival, went wide on September 19, 1997. Uh, pretty good box office considering the type of film it is, Not, uh, 64.6 million domestic, 61 million international, uh, 126.2 million on a $35 million budget. Uh, pretty solid for the time. Um, not the biggest moneymaker of the year because Titanic came out in 97, so uh, understandable. Uh, did get nine Oscar nominations, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress for Basinger, Adapted Screenplay, Art Direction, Cinematography, Film Editing, Dramatic Score, and Sound. It uh, lost seven Oscars to Titanic. Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> and then the other two, one, uh, one Supporting Actress for Basinger, uh, yeah. beating Titanic and then uh, adapted screenplay, which Titanic was not against. So, uh, right. So, very This is a tough year to be in the movie yeah, business, I mean, really. I, I mean, mean not, it's not only, it's, you know, you think, okay, yeah, we're going against Titanic, but you're also going against Google Hunting and as good as it gets. Oh, yeah. So, and the full Monty. So, that's that's the best picture five full Monty, as good as it gets, uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting, Titanic, and LA Confidential. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like we we've had years like that no, in a long time. No, like where, where you just got like, bangers, hey, bangers, bangers. About this, like there's like these five are imp- unimpeachable, and there's not really even other great movies. You can't really you're not yeah. you're not incurring in on this on this crazy lineup. Uh, very well respected by pretty much everybody. Ninety nine percent from critics. Um, I want to find the uh, the the douchebag critics who are just like, no, 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 this is not a perfect movie. And it's like, you're lying. Uh, 94% audience. Um, a very modern war, a, uh, essentially a movie that feels like it was made in the 50s, but has yeah. all the sensibilities of the 90s. So yeah. this is your first time watching. Yeah. 
So, yeah. uh, so uh, I will do a quick plot summary of what's going on in LA Confidential. Uh, set in 1953, Los Angeles is very post, uh, post-World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of probably soldiers coming back and finding jobs to be cops probably. Yep. So yep. Kind of get that idea of it. Um, there, it focuses on three guys. Uh, Edmund Exley, played by Guy Pierce, uh, mm-hmm. a kind of a straight-laced, politically-minded uh, ladder climber. Yeah. Uh, a good cop, but kind of a kind of a grease ball. Suck ass. Suck ass. Yeah, that's a really good way to Kiss put it. Kiss ass, yeah. Kiss ass. Um, he's trying to climb his way up the ladder, live up to the expectation of his father, who was a police officer mm. who was killed in the line of duty. Uh, there's the second one is uh, Bud White, who is uh, Russell Crowe. He's a uh, plainclothes police officer, um, more of a goon type policeman, but he, he's more of a... Uh, he's a strong arm. Strong arm, yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, um, he doesn't necessarily, he, he wants to, he kind of has the desire to do like casework and detective work, yeah. but he's kind of pigeonholed into this idea of just being a, the tough guy. Cop. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, and then we have, uh, Jack and Sins, who is played by Kevin Spacey. He's a narcotics detective, but he moonlights as a technical advisor to a dragnet type show uh, called badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, he, uh, he's kind of, as, as corrupt of, of the three, he's the most corrupt, but he's still not really all that corrupt. He just, he just takes money. Uh, he exchanges money with the tabloid guy, Sid Hutchins, who is, yeah. you know, for uh, good callers. And then he has high profile arrest for his um, thing back and forth. So all three are kind of uh, interacting. And then um, there's a, uh, so uh, White doesn't like Exley because of uh, he rats on this cop who beat up a group of Mexicans um and, and <laughs> it's it's it, it's his, at a it, drunken christmas party and they just christmas, go down to the jail you know, and, you know as one does whenever you pour two bottles of liquor into the eggnog during christmas party, you, know, you know at a police department as one is to do so um so white doesn't like uh white doesn't like uh Exley, and Exley uh is uh kind of i, I guess uh, serendipitously uh runs runs is the is the guy on duty whenever a massacre happens at a coffee shop and uh one of the uh, one of the victims is white's old partner and through this investigation it kind of goes back and forth and then uh the uh the police chief comes in which is by, played by james cromwell there's yeah. a um, kind of a porn uh pros- a porn pimp guy played by yeah. theron uh and then kim basinger is oh, the prostitute kind of in the middle of it uh, her name is uh, uh, Lynn Bracken, um, and X, uh, Exley kind of runs, uh, he kind of goes in line with that, but at the same time, uh, White falls in love with her, and then, yeah. then there's some corrupt stuff back and forth, back and forth. It's, it's really all about finding out the corruption having to do with this. Um, in the end, uh, Vincennes is killed by uh, Captain Smith, played by James Cornwell, um, and it all is due to them, the police, a group of police officers actually taking over the uh, rackets of uh, jail gangster Mickey Cohen. Um, both White and Exley kind of uncover it all uh, and take everybody down, kill everybody, and kind of get away in the end. Uh, Exley is kind of uh, scapegoated as a hero, uh, and then, um, then uh, White and uh, Lynn right off into the sunset together. So, um, there's a lot to this. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, we've talked about cop movies in the past, but Mm. this being a cop movie set in the fifties, it's kind of like you kind of excise all the the cop things you have because it's the fifties and nobody really knows. Right. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, like, uh, yeah, whenever I was watching it, there's, I mean, obviously the training, the techniques, the equipment, the everything is completely different. So it's kind of, for me, it's, it's entertaining to look back on those times. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think this is probably like the third or fourth episode where I've mentioned Anamoya. Yeah, yeah. Where it's a nostalgia for a time that you you've never lots been of, a lot, part lots of lots of revolvers right they, snub they, nose 38s yeah. and, and guys yeah going around fingers like yeah. on the trigger <laughs> and um you know, stuff like that the but, lack of accountability from police officers yeah i mean there's like oh who did this well it's obviously the minorities like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's really kind of glazed over but a lot of this is like so the initial night out killings are blamed on three black guys black guys who yeah are specifically scapegoated because well, they have records and they did commit a crime. They were rapists and kidnappers, but they didn't murder everybody. It's like just because they, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then the, um, you know, the Mexicans, obviously. The Mexicans in the, kind of yeah, because two, two cops got roughed up or yeah, something. I mean, and then they, they and, and, you know, it's funny because that, he, that, he, he says they're at home with like soreness or something. And they're yeah. like, well, they lost an eye. And it's like, oh, I heard he punctured a lung. Like, no, he's fine. Yeah. It's just, it's just an excuse to do that. Yeah. So um, that's, it's funny. The cool thing about the modern war is essentially it has all the feeling of 1953 Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It looks like it in the background. But the cool thing about it, it's all in the background. It's not like it's, you know, those New York movies were like, oh, New York's a yes. character. Yeah. This is a character, but it's a background character. It's just the setting. It's not right. It's not. This is what it's about. It's like it's very specific. It's very cool looking. It's very yeah. nifty with all that kind of stuff, but is by no means the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they yeah, they do a good job of making the setting the setting. Yes, yes. And that's all it needs yes. to be. And and, and, and uh, they, they throw in the cool L.A. stuff, the city sure. hall, uh, the, you know, the, the Hollywood sign, uh, you know, movie premieres, all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Now, the cool thing about this compared to other noirs is other, obviously, like noirs in the 50s and 60s, they have certain restrictions they can't be showing. Yeah. Now, in this case, this is probably the more realistic aspect of what happened in 1950 oh, yeah. in Los Angeles. It's like, oh, everybody's boozing. There's all this. Yeah. Like, like the fact that marijuana addiction is a is a continued like all oh, these reefer heads yeah like come on like yeah no. yeah no I, you know i i kind of think that um you know we have this idea of like the 50s yeah of like oh leave it to beaver age yeah. and and like greatest was, generation yeah yeah well <laughs> People were doing the same screwed up stuff yep. that they're doing today yep. that they were doing back then. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's nothing's as wholesome as, as we think, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you know, and that, that comes back to that animoia yeah. is oftentimes it's just a creation that we've developed in our heads. Oh, it wasn't like movies. this. It wasn't like this in the good old days. It's like, no, it probably was. You just have that. Yeah. Have that, we know. dealt with the same problems. They just, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Please corruption. And now I, I made the joke at the end of the movie. It's like, you know, the, the chief of police is like, we're going to, the LAPD is going to move into the new buildings and this is a yeah. new clean cut. And I, I made the joke that an LAPD will never have a problem again. Scandal free <laughs> after that. So yeah. Like, oh, the next 20 years won't be a problem. The next, yeah. the next 20 after that's definitely smooth sailing too. You don't have to worry about getting any bad media. 
yeah. yeah it's like oh okay so we'll just yeah we'll just kind of gloss over that part um so it's 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 really easy to look at this movie as what it is now and knowing the familiar faces yeah and i think we've talked about this i don't know like a seven episode and it's like well kevin spacey being in a movie you're always right like, oh, okay yeah and uh this movie's surprisingly hard to find uh, I don't know why. Like it was, it was really difficult to kind of find. I can't this, imagine. Um, it, it was shocking for as was well known and as as popular as it is. But yeah. Um. So, the casting of this is probably the most brilliant part, not because of mm. like Kim Basinger pretty much does look like Veronica Lake, so that's kind of in and of itself. But I mean, at the time, nobody knew who Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe were. Right. They, they were just they were just like random guys uh. and also just perfect american accents yeah like, the, the, great like australia yeah. their australian does not come through in the least bit also no. uh, another australian simon baker who plays the uh the the himbo himbo um actor who gets his throat slit um, oh okay he's also australian oh so okay first movie so i mean the fact that they were able to dig these guys up, yeah, and we're gonna throw them in these movies and be this good as they are. It's really impressive. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, a couple, uh, probably a couple months ago, I wrote an article about um, the top male performances in this movie, uh, excluding the women, essentially. And I had a, I have an overwhelming number one for this movie. Who's your best performance in this movie? Um, hmm. I think I gotta say. Uh... Right, Guy Pierce. Okay, so that was my probably. Number, that's my number two. Guy Pierce does some really interesting things because he, like, it, it, on paper, he should be the clean cut hero of the story, and he's really a shit. Yeah, like he's there are a lot of things about him that you're like, I don't like this guy. Right. Like, yeah. Like he he sleeps with Lynn for no particular reason, like just because he kind of can. Uh, yeah. He is a like you said, he's a suck ass. And yeah. a climber and a do good and yeah. yeah, and he's obviously I think um he's a good cop. Yes, yes, yeah, he is. Um, but old um white, I mean, he's kind of a cop's cop, yes, right? Very much he's, so. Yes. He's one of the dudes. Yep. He's he's um you know a member member of the club, yes. Whereas um what's his name? Vincennes or, or Exley, Exley, uh, yeah, Guy Exley. Yeah. Uh, he, he's very much uh, more intellectual, looking to climb the ladder, teachers get pets. rank. Yes. yes, yes. And, um, I mean, I, I, I definitely know the yeah, guys yeah, at the yeah, PD sure. that are yeah, that know, are yeah. like that. Yeah, that yeah. we're like, that's fine, but you're not. <laughs> don't, you're not one of the cool. Don't kids. act like you're a part of this. Yeah, and and I think right. it's I think it's really impressive the uh, ability to do that. And you know, it's it's kind of funny. The only thing that really links White and Exley is the fact that they don't succumb to corruption. Like they, yeah. they don't take any money. And yeah, White, in fact. Uh, so my number one is Russell Crowe. Just because mm. he's such a badass, but yeah. at the same time, he's so sensitive about yeah. his badassery. Like, he doesn't necessarily raise his voice a ton in this movie. He's, right. he's very low and considered, and he's a simple guy. Now, it, it, it's kind of, the, the film kind of goes out of its way to be like, yeah, he's a muscle. He's, everybody kind of thinks he's dumb, and he's not dumb. Right. He's, he's a very intelligent guy, but at the same time, his simplicity, like he wears the same 
ugly suit the same right. the whole movie his yeah. short sleeves sim- simplicity like it, it, like his the fact that he has the snub rose revolver he's more of a more of a revolver shotgun guy where Exley is more like no i'm gonna have the pistol with the you know the more modern the semi-auto modernization yeah. of it yeah yeah so you like it's kind of one of those things where you're like if you kind of go back into like world war ii wise mm-hmm. you can kind of view it in the same way yeah and that it's funny that you mentioned World War II because I did think about that, and you yeah. you said that earlier, like um, the period when I was at the police department, I worked with tons of veterans. Everybody coming out of Afghanistan and Iraq, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And so I would imagine um, 1950s police it's department. It's filled. It's, it's got to be filled with yes. World War II vets and stuff like that. And, and you think of you think of like uh, like white as more of like oh you're an infantry guy. Right, your 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 boots on the ground, and doing all that stuff. And actually, is more like, oh, I'm the officer. I'm the officer, but I'm too young because I, you know, my dad was a captain, and I worked my way up, and I kind of greased the wheels. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if he's good at his job. It doesn't. Right. It's it's the fact that it's like, well, you don't know what I'm boots on the ground. I'm doing the stuff that I want to do. That right. I'm supposed to, that I'm made to be doing. Yeah. Um, so, so I talked about Guy Pierce. I talked about Russell Crowe. My, I so I love this movie almost more than probably any movie ever. Uh-huh. I've seen it a bunch, and every time I watch it, I go back and forth on whether Kevin Spacey is good, whether he is good in this right. movie, or if he is miscast. I can't tell because this. Do you mean like his performance is good, or yeah, is is his performance good? Yeah. So okay. because like today, I, today I landed on the good. Okay. I don't know why. Like. He's so self-loathing. He hates himself so yeah. much at what he does. But you know, his his general like I buy all the self-loathing, like regret, all that kind of stuff. All the charm that's supposed to be there is kind of that misses for me. Like, like yeah, I can kind of see it. It's it, it yeah. He's trying to be Dean Martin. Yeah, and, and that's and I understand what he's doing. It just doesn't feel that organic. Like it yeah. feels like he's trying. Yeah. yeah. It it doesn't land as solidly as some. I mean, it's like, uh, well, uh, with Cool Hand Luke, like yeah. Paul Newman was cool. Yep, yep. Right. Just the way it is. Yep. He didn't have to be. He didn't have to act cool. Yep. He yeah. So I can see your point, yes. Kevin Spacey, trying to be a cool guy. And but something I like about uh, Spacey's character and his performance, you know, you talked about. You know, he he loathes himself. Absolutely, he probably wants to be a better person yes. than he is. Yes, and I like he's having a conversation um, with with Exley, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Exley, and Exley asks him why he became a cop, and he goes, "I don't remember." I don't remember. Yeah, and it's and that's it. But, but you could see that that's, like, that's, that's not, not something killing. It's killing. He's not, he's not happy about it. He's yeah, very he's like, like, I don't know why I became a cop. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. It's, it's it's almost like you can. There's, there's like a mournful envy yeah. that he portrays where it's like, I wish I was as idealistic as this guy yeah. still is. Yeah. It's just you like know? he's like, oh, I became a cop because I wanted to solve. You know, I want to stop. Wanted to help people. Like white white's motivation is very clear. He wants to punish women who 
who wants to punch men who hurt women. Bottom line, that's his motivation. It's vengeance. It's vengeance based off of his childhood experience. Yeah. yeah. Exley, same thing. He wants to meet up to the expectations of his father and punish those who think they can get away with it. And that's Vin- his big deal is, is I'm not going to let people get away with and it. And Vincennes yeah. is going, I've been doing this too long. I'm, I've, I've compromised those, those inches you take have yeah. taken you too far away to compromise your morals. Yeah. Um, now, to, like, like I said, today I land on it being good. On yeah. other days, I'm like, he's the worst performance in this movie. Yeah. And on, it's just that, and every time it keeps switching on me. So I don't really, you know, personal issues of the guy aside. Sure. Like it's, it's, yeah. he's, he's the star of this movie for the sake of yeah. billing. He's the, he was the only name that he actually, was the only, he was the only one that could deal. move tickets essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody else is kind of like, well, Kim Basinger at the time hadn't done movies in three years. Everybody like, like James Cromwell, who's essentially the villain, was in Babe two years before this and is in Green yeah. Mile two years after. So yeah. he bookends this villain of, of villains, just a corrupt yeah. piece of crap between two of the most wholesome people. Yeah. The warden. Most is, righteous. The, the righteousness yeah. in the Green Mile and the most, the sweetest farmer in the world in Babe. So it's, it's, yeah, it's funny that Spacey is the kind of thing. So, you this made a criminal sandwich. The criminal sandwich. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, so my one of my favorite things about this movie, it was an Oscar winner for Best Adapted Screenplay by Helglund and Curtis Hansen. Um, I think of this movie as the most perfectly structured screenplay I've ever... I can. I, anytime I want to say like, okay, how do you structure a screenplay to do everything as it needs to be done without, and, and, and especially in this, because the last, the, the last scene after, after the big fight and the climax is over, Exley yeah. is in the interrogation room and he lays out yep. everything that happens in about yep. three minutes. Yeah. And it's, you go, you go point by point. You're like, that is exactly everything that's happened. There's clear motivation. It's almost a plot summary. Exactly. It's a plot summary. Everything that has happened has happened for this reason, for this reason, from here to here, to here, to here, to here. There are no gaps. There are no reasonings. There's no reason. Not everything has a purpose. And, and then it goes, then you go back and you like halfway through the movie, you have no idea that there are corrupt cops. Like, right. Yeah. Like you're halfway through and you're just like, oh, you're just trying to solve this. This is about these three cops doing these different things. And then it starts to piece it out, piece it yeah. close to good. Now, is there any part of the actual, the, I, I know the idea of police trying to take over rackets for a gangster. I mean, it's, it is the fifties and there it's, it's a story and it's a stretch. But is there, is there any gap in here that you see? You're like, wow, I didn't really buy that as a, as a story structure because it's all pretty clear. No, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah like, like you said, said, you don't really know. You, you don't, don't figure out the corruption, corruption until about halfway through the movie. Yeah. But you kind of see, you, you kind of know where everyone lines up. Everyone yes. kind of fits in their slots at some point. Yes. Everyone, Everyone moves in to where you're like, yep. okay, okay, Russell Crowe, good guy. Um, guy, I don't know, Pierce. I don't know why I can't remember his last name. <laughs> I get it, I get it. But yeah, okay, they're good guys, but they are flawed. Yeah. But, and Kevin Spacey's much, much more flawed, flawed but he still, and he's, conflicted. He wants to be good. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and, and then, then you're, you're like, like okay, okay, that the, the captain's, captain's bad. bad. 
okay this corruption ring okay and like you said in that interrogation yeah lays it lays it out perfectly like it's like everything like and if in seeing obviously seeing this multiple times knowing that little bit at the end watching it again you're like oh there's the seed for that that's where it happened this where this happened and it's so beautifully played out it's um the the oscar win for the adaptive screenplay is one of my favorites ever it's just because it's like if you're gonna give it anything gonna be that now that being said one of the most scrutinized oscar wins in the last 30 years is basing not because she's bad, really yeah. because i think she's really good yeah um it's just that the the other nominees are it's like whenever you think of the film and the performances in the film she's not the one that sticks out no it's 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 she she does great she's she looks great great supporting great supporting role, role uh, a true supporting role yeah. not, not a not a lead role that they made supporting um other nominees uh in this category were mini driver in goodwill hunting exceptional i thought yeah um glory a good flick gloria stewart in uh titanic the old lady in titanic okay yeah so uh um my personal winner would have been uh was julianne moore uh in boogie nights a movie you haven't seen i believe no i haven't seen that uh we're gonna do that in a couple weeks so that's gonna yeah. be, that's gonna be a uh uh a, an adventure, I guess. An uh, interesting one. <laughs> and uh, uh, the other one was uh, Joan Cusack in and out, which is comedy performance. Essentially, the four nominees, you look at it, and you're like, man, those are really good performances. And then you look at her, and you're like, that was good. Like, it's, right? It's it's not it's not necessarily that she's bad. It's like yeah. you're giving a B performance compared to the A pluses. Yeah. And um, I, I can see that. At the same time, I look at it as it's like, well. Spacey got an Oscar two years before this, mm-hmm. and he's getting another Oscar two years after this. We don't know this at the time. So, uh, so I mean, it's not like we need to give Spacey another Oscar. Right. And then Pierce and Crow are brand new, right. and yeah. they don't really know what to They're do with them. They're just breaking in. They don't yeah. know what to do with them. And at the same time, like, where would you classify these three as lead or supporting? Because... It, I mean, Kevin Spacey's number one bill, but he's probably the most supporting of the support of the actors. Really, Russell Crowe is really the main. Crowe would I would say Crowe? I would put Crowe and Pierce both in lead. Like I like they're there's co- like leads. dual protagonists. Yeah. There, there's three of them actually. All three like yeah, really, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, I think that was another aspect to it. Like that is a cool aspect. Are, I didn't think about that. To, who are you going to single out? It's like oh, this is the one, and that's the point. Like. Okay, well, I can't. Why Crow? Well, he's good. What about Pierce? It's like he's good too. It's like what about Spacey? Yeah. He's good too. And right. Uh, so I mean, that was just one of those things. It's like you're probably going to break into that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just kind of the weird part of it. Now, Basinger's character, Lynn. Um, can you see a reason why she? Um, if you think about it, this is the only slight quibble I would have with the movie if I have one at all. I don't think she has a reason to be in the movie. I mean, hmm. so if you think about it, if you take her out of the movie, does the plot change at all? The plot doesn't. The Now, the dynamics of how Exley and White go together. That's, that's what I was going to say is really, I think her main purpose is to serve as a conflict point yes. between your two, two of your pro protagonist and it allows white to be more sensitive yeah it brings out losing you you learn 
why does he yes. beat the shit yes. out of these dudes yes. and everything? Yes. It's, it's, it's not just him spouting exposition. He's talking to a girl in bed. Like, right. But, but if you take her out of the movie, like you still have the same story. Like, and, and essentially at one point, like she's, they, they take her to a sheriff's office because they think she's going to be tying up loose ends and they go and, and actually talks to her. And he's like, do you know anything about this? She goes, no. He goes, okay. And that's it. Like, yeah. Like, she gives, she gives, no, there. She's not integral to the plot, as far yeah. as uh, Night Owl, um, any murders, corruption, any of that. She doesn't really have anything to do with it. She's just on the periphery. She's she doesn't play a direct role, right? Like, yes, she is. She is the uh, uh, politicians having sex with prostitutes. She's the prostitute in that situation. Yeah, yeah. she's not pulling any strings. Yeah, she's definitely a part of the underworld, but she's yeah. not a. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's just, by no means a big player. It's, it's always something that always makes me fun. It always makes me laugh. Um, so, I mean, um, okay, so cop corruption in general, like mm. it's, it seems like it's, this is, I, I think, the, uh, it's the ideal of American. When you want to make American cop films, they're like, okay, we got to have corruption. Yeah. Zero is non corrupt. Right. Like, I'm not going to take money. Um, and the one I kind of always default to is another Scorpio. Russell. Uh, what's that? Oh, sorry. Oh, like uh, sorry. So, um, I default to American Gangster because yeah. Russell Crowe in that movie is a cop. Oh yeah. His entire thing is that it's like, no, I know everybody's corrupt. I don't care about that, and I'm not going to take money. I'm not going to take any money. I'm not going to take any money. And it's always not going to take any money. Yeah. And the cool thing this month this movie does is it. Is it Taking the money doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. Right. Like, well, I think I think it shows how there can be different motivations behind why people will will do bad things other than money. Yes. You know, it's not always just for a payoff. You know, it might be for vengeance or power or sex or greed, whatever. In uh, in Vincent's case, he he likes mm -hmm. the the attention, the Hollywood cop of i'm important it makes yeah him, it, it it's it's his own it's ego boosting it's not yeah. like and that's how he makes his cases too yeah i mean it's it's i have the hollywood aspect of it i mean you know it, it, it we you know we live in a capitalistic society generally yeah. money's the job done yeah um, but at the same time it's always been a lot of like well even the corruption is kind of based off of like well Cops don't make enough money. They do. They put their lives in the line. Right. It's, it's dangerous job. Mm. But um, I, I, now you've been lucky enough that you've been a police officer, completely devoid of yeah. even aware of any corruption. And I mean, Amarillo, Texas, not exactly being hotbed of. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I had the privilege of working at a. I mean, a very good department where yeah, that wasn't really a concern. Um, and um. Yeah, I never witnessed an act of corruption. I never saw anyone take a bribe or anything like that. Now, have I seen guys goof up? Yes. <laughs> Make, you know, poor judgment calls? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely, yeah. it's, it's the same as any job. I've seen knuckleheads fuck shit up, but it wasn't... It wasn't a, it's not corruption. It's, it's, the, not, it's the bell curve of humanity. It's right. You're going to have guys that have are going to screw stuff up. You have that 5% of exceptionally good cops. 
yeah, that 5% of exceptionally bad cops and everybody else is in the 90 in between somewhere in that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll say like, I mean, even guys at the agency that I worked for or girls that I thought were terrible cops and shouldn't be on the job at all, had no business wearing a badge. It wasn't because of a moral issue or anything. Yeah, like it was that. just like they you're just, just you're just inept. Like it's just like any job. You like, got into the wrong line of work. Yeah, you get in for the wrong. It was like, why'd you get in this? It's like, well, I had a stupid guidance counselor, or I came out of this and did this, and that kind of led me here. And I said, you know, all the kind. Of, and and a lot of times, like you said, like veterans leaving. It's like, well, I I you know, this is kind of what I know. Yeah, kind of keeping that same thing. So it's yeah, I get that. So um, it's it, it it's it's obviously just like like the the thematic material is always rich like yeah well, there's always a lot of stuff to do with that right and that i'm real i'm really fascinated the more i think about those little inches to take to yes little compromises that till the anytime you do something wrong it becomes easier to do something wrong again yes yes anytime you do something good it becomes easier to do the right thing again yes, yes. so you it's know, your momentum of whatever you're doing. It's slippery slope. Yes. I mean, that's probably overused, but yeah, it's like, all right, you know, if I can, well, I crossed that line and it was fine. Yeah, yeah. Cross this line. I'll put my toe across this line. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're something you don't want to be. Yeah. 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 So that I is mean, an interesting aspect, yeah. aspect of this. Yeah. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, there's there's a ton of kind of stuff like that in this movie and it the cool thing i really like about this movie is how noirish it is without being like like nobody talks like a gumshoe nobody right. like hey see yeah hey see yeah hey and, 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 like and, more and, like dick tracy 20, type stuff 20 fedoras right uh, like stuff like that so um Okay, so we talked a little bit about Mickey Cohen. Mickey Cohen obviously being the real person with all this. I know you know a little bit about him, but I mean, kind of the Al Capone-ish of L.A. Um, Johnny Stampanato is an interesting character because he's a he plays a role in this. Johnny Stampanato is a real guy, was really Mickey Cohen's enforcer and then did muscle work on the side. One of the comical parts of the movie is Exley and Vincennes goes to see Johnny Stampanato and he's sitting there with Lana Turner. He's yeah. the real Lana Turner. Well, in real life, Johnny Stampanato was dating the real Lana Turner and Lana Turner's daughter stabbed and killed Johnny Stampanato. And it was a huge media circus with the trial and everything. And they, she eventually got acquitted, but it essentially ended her career. Uh. So it was kind of interesting to be like, oh yeah, they're all nice and cozy together. Johnny Stampanato and Alana Turner is like, he was, huh. he was beating the crap out of her. So there's kind of that little right. thing. Um, apparently Bloody Christmas depicted as the police officers oh, yeah, the Mexicans was based on a real thing as well. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's just kind of those, it's those little notes of authenticity just kind of add to the allure of the film. Yeah. Yeah. So you see like, you know, guys, you know, it's it's always funny seeing guys like with blackjacks smack yeah smack the hell out of stuff like yeah uh, the idea of just any it's fun, no batons in this movie everybody has blackjacks or that's yeah that that is true yeah uh and for those that don't know a blackjack is a uh, basically a piece of metal in a leather strap yeah so it's uh not 
wouldn't be fun to get hit with, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, it definitely struck me like watching this is like, I can't imagine like going into an interrogation <laughs> Someone smarts off, you just smack the fuck out of them. <laughs> it's like you say, I think uh, whenever Exley was going in to interrogate, you're like, uh, it's like, oh, where's the phone book? Because it's like, right, yeah. it's like, are you willing to beat the hell out of somebody to get a that, kid? <laughs> and, and I mean, from what I know, that was interrogation yeah. techniques yeah. back then. That's, you know, no, not a whole lot and of subtlety involved in that. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. There was much more, uh, when I was a, de a detective, obviously, there was, uh, uh a little more subtlety civil, so. civil rights involved yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so i get like so did you like how actually kind of that was kind of that was a pretty cool scene it's like that kind of put on everybody was kind of like okay actually's a kiss ass but that mm -hmm. scene in general kind of like oh he's a kiss ass who's good at his job yeah. yeah i think i think he proves himself there where he's like you know he's not necessarily the big tough guy yeah. but they're like uh He's he he's can smart. do it with smarts. He's going to get this guy. He's doing a great job getting these guys' confessions. And and the technique he uses is one that I've used before. Turning the prisoner's dilemma, yeah. where it's like they said you did, you did it. You did it. It's like yeah, no, he did no, he did it. Well, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you exactly how he did it. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can you can watch best friends <laughs> turn on each other. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So everyone, <laughs> yeah, everyone flips real quick whenever it's like. Okay, you can do 20 or he can do 20. Can Which you, one do you want? So can you imagine the sheer force of your hand strength to be able to break the top of a wooden chair like that? So like I saw it like you gotta be mad. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the great thing that Crow does in this entire movie. He looks he's incredibly like there's two parts. There's one where he breaks the chair, and then whenever he fights with Exley, and then he's like, get out of here, and he throws the chair through the window. I'm like but that felt nice. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I will say, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely displays rage issues, yes, anger yes. issues, yeah. but as you get to know him, it's righteous yes, anger. Yes. It's, He's, it's purposeful. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's not aimed at innocence. Yes. I mean, they're, and yeah, he yeah. has this scene with Kim Basinger, but I think he realizes, he oh God, I'm what I know. I don't want it. Yeah, exactly. And he hates yeah. himself for it. Yeah. 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 He's uh, like, I can't be like my dad. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So, so speaking of Russell Crowe, every week I go through the filmography of a filmmaker and put Jake Cinemag knowledge to the test. It is time for Pull for a Dumbass. Uh, this week we are going. Uh, to the large Australian man himself, uh, Crow, a uh, Oscar winner, a long storied history of um, just being pretty great in everything he's ever been in. Um, so he had a lot of early stuff in Australia, obviously we won't get mm. into uh, a movie called Proof that I've never seen. I've heard a lot of good things about. Mm. The first movie I've ever saw, not, not the first movie I ever saw him in, but the, his earliest movie I've seen is a movie called Romper Stomper. It's a it's an Australian movie about skinheads, huh? And he is an exceptionally violent, volatile guy, um, and he is um, he's he's just a turd of a human, but he's so captivating and he's incredible. If you get the chance to see Romper Stomper, I highly recommend it. Huh? Neo Nazi movies in general. There's a lot right. of those type of movies. Is it an Australian American history X? Yes, kind. Of, that's a good. Kinda? That's a good way to put it. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, very, very well done. Um, 
So the first movie, first Amer his first American movie was in 1995, uh, playing the role of Court in The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, yes. love it. Love The Quick and the Dead, good. I really like Quick and the Dead too. Um, I like, uh, I've defended it in the past. I wrote a little piece on it a couple of yeah. years ago. Um, really, a lot, of, a lot of fun, so much fun. I love it. Yeah, it's just like good old fashioned uh, uh, yeah. know, Western, Western stupid stuff. Like, yeah. it doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you'd have wrong with it. A lot of people think it's a little too campy, a little too, uh, too stylized for a Western. But I mean, uh, Gene Hackman's having a blast. Like, yeah, just, just all that kind of stuff. I love it all the way around. So he's in LA Confidential uh, two years after that. So he's, he's, he does a couple of things like he was in a, um, you know, one of those patented Denzel Washington 90s movies. This one was called Virtuosity. Uh, that not including that one. Virtuosity, this is one where like, uh, he lives in, I think he's a serial killer in virtual reality. He's, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, or it's a ridiculous movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, I wouldn't even include that. And then he was in LA Confidential in 1997. Essentially after LA Confidential, like, okay, this guy's a star. He takes off. Um, in 1999, uh, I think LA Confidential was his best performance. Mm -hmm. I think his second best performance got his first Oscar nomination in 1999 as Jeffrey Wygant in The Insider. The insider. He is a uh, tobacco whistleblower. Hmm. Very good. He's uh, um, Al Pacino plays a sixty minutes producer, and he is a whistleblower with uh, big tobacco. <laughs> okay. Yep. You've seen it, or you've heard yep. about it? No, I've seen it. I. I it's like, it's just been a long time, a long and it time. wasn't very memorable yeah, it's, it's it's slow I, but it's i've seen slow it. and meditative he's exceptional in it yeah uh it, it's just kind of the different kind of stuff like that um i wasn't going to include mr alaska just because it's such a like uh it's a it's a hockey movie they're like hey this guy's a star we got to throw him in something and it's like not really yeah. um okay so 2000 is really where it kicks off uh gladiator of course of course maximus decimus meridius maybe the coolest human to ever live Oh yeah, uh, you know, uh, gets his first Oscar win um, after uh, the nomination the year before for the Insider. Um, same year, two thousand. I think one of his most underrated movies uh, as a um, as a hostage negotiator type, Proof of Life. Yep, I love Proof of Life. I love Proof of Life. Uh, it's funny that I said Proof of Life earlier. I did. I didn't even think of that actually. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Um, I love Proof of Life yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, he's really good in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his chemistry with Meg Ryan is electric. And the reason is because it broke up Meg Ryan's marriage to Dennis Quaid, who uh, Meg Ryan was married to Dennis Quaid, but she went and made Proof of Life. And then after Proof of Life, she wasn't married to Dennis Quaid anymore. Well, so, uh, what do you expect? <laughs> 2000s Russell Crowe was showing up I get it. I mean, it's yeah, uh, it's real and spectacular. So, um, so he gets his third Oscar nomination the next year for the best picture winning film, which I don't think is very good. Uh, I rewatched it uh, a little while ago. How about A Beautiful Mind? Yes. So I don't like it. I think it's a very badly made movie. Really? I rewatched it the other day um, because I was. Uh, so last year I was doing Oscar catch up movies from 20 years ago, which is 2001, and Beautiful Mind was on it, and I watched it, and I was like, okay, this is bad. Really? Like, am, am, am huh. I, am I, did, I, did I think this was, was good 
And I was like, I remember not really loving the movie and liking his performance. And his performance is not bad, but the movie is just not good. It's just boring and like too quirky. Like it's, it's, it's going way too hard. It's trying way too hard to be what it, I don't know what it wants to be. Hmm. It's, it, it, it's, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I mean, I know I've seen it at least two or three times and I never remember having a negative thought about it. I remember it. the last time I watched it, I was like, man, it was cringy almost. I was, thinking, huh. I was like, man, this is not good. Um, obviously teach their own. I'm not going to say like, oh no, well, you're right. I'm wrong. Now, anybody says a bad word about this next one, a personal favorite of our grandfather, Master and Commander, The Far Very Side good. of the World. Great movie. Great, Great movie. One of the, that is probably one of the most underrated films. So Master and Commander is a series of books. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like eight or nine of them. Yeah. And they were going to make a bunch of them. And they made Master and Commander Far Side of the World. It made money, but it didn't make enough money. So they didn't make uh. Ship, ship movies have to do Pirates of the Caribbean movie money. Right, right, right. Because they're really expensive to make. Um, Master Commander is great. Man. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't know much. Well, we might have to do that We might that have to one. do Master Commander. Master yeah. Commander is awesome. <laughs> we might have to put that on the list. I agree. I agree. Uh, that might be one we knock out in, in uh, January. That's a yeah. good one. Um, he has a really great run of just like, man, he's solid in pretty much everything he's in. How about um, how about two years later playing boxer Jim Braddock in Cinderella Man? Yep. Yes. Yep. I'm not surprising. A, a one that's um, a lot of people don't like, and I don't, I've never understood why people don't like it. Um, now, Renee Zellweger is playing the ultimate wet blanket of wet blankets. Mm. She... I, I don't like her. And I, I'm very mixed on Zellweger in general, um, but in like... This is the prime example of, uh, I, I, with, with my wife, I call it The Longest Ride, which is a mm -hmm. movie based off, of, uh, I think, Scott Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's son, uh -huh. plays a rodeo guy. And this girl falls in love with him. And he's a rodeo guy, and that's what attracted to him. And then they got together, and she's like, it's too dangerous. I want you to quit rodeo. Like, right. Well, the, entire th the entire idea was that I was a rodeo guy. That, without that, we wouldn't be together. And that's kind of what this movie is like. Like Braddock is a boxer. He's a championship right. boxer. It's dangerous and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden his wife's like, you got to stop this. Like, right. what, do you, what do you mean? But yeah, Crow is exceptional. Well, it's like a conversation whenever I had to have with my wife, whenever we started getting serious, is like, listen, I'm a cop. I'm a cop. This is what it is. I'm going to be gone holidays, weekends. <laughs> it's going to be dangerous. Yes. And, and. Take it or leave it yeah. right now. You can't, you can't yeah. go, you can't five years in and go like, I want you to stop being a cop. That's good. It's like, I hadn't no. thought about yeah. that. Yeah. So, no. I mean, like that's, that's the only part about the movie I don't like. Okay. But the boxing scenes are dynamic. He's great in it. Paul Giamatti got an Oscar nomination for it. Uh, really, really great across the board. One, one thing I will say, uh, what was his name? Max Bear? Max Bear. Very, I, a very unfair portrayal of him in that movie. Yes, I've heard that I've heard because that well. he did actually accidentally kill a guy. But it haunted him for the rest of his life. He almost completely quit. Yes. He he was never the same again. Yes. And in the movie, he's depicted he's, as like, he's ah, a it's, vicious. It's, it's a part of life. I'll kill you too. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah he's unfairly portrayed. Yes, I, I, agree. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. In that. But it's. It's a good movie I, I overall. Like, good, I good like flick, it. Good flick. Um, had a couple bomb, uh, had a bomb uh, movie called A Good Year about him 
owning a winery from his dad. We won't mention that one, but no. um, two in 2007, which I know you are both big fan. You're a fan of both. Uh, how about the double feature of 310 to Yuma and American Gangster? Yeah, I'll watch both of them. <laughs> I'll watch both of them. Yeah. 310 to Yuma, much more of a, uh, I think much more of a uh, Christian Bale movie than I do think of a, yes. than a Russell Crowe movie. He's a bad guy in that one, which is a, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah, he's bad, but at the same time, he's not the worst. He's not the worst. He's not the worst. Right. The creepy blonde guy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Three to Yuma and then American Gangster, as we said, the uncorruptible, uncorruptible cop. Really? Now, American Gangster is a goofy movie to me because I love every, I love scenes. I love individual scenes. I love each performance, all this kind of stuff. And it just doesn't all work together. But then all together. All the way there. Like it's a solid, like, like ever, like I'll watch individual scenes. I'm like, man, that's a great scene. Like when they write, Mm. raid the stash house. Awesome. When they, when they follow him for the thing, uh, you know, uh, Denzel Washington killing Idris Elba on the street. Awesome. Uh, All the stuff he did, everything works. And it just doesn't come together somehow. I don't know what the problem is. It just somehow it misses somewhere. I, I would say, even though I thought Russell Crowe did a great job in it, and I think Denzel Washington Washington did a great job in it, I will say they 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 didn't like have much chemistry. I mean, they don't they don't have many scenes together anyways. But I I think there's a but like I heard an interview with Ethan Hawke because he was talking about mm-hmm. Denzel, and he said if there's a bigger movie star in the world, I don't want to know it, and. I think it's hard to be in a movie with Denzel Washington where you're supposed to be the star. Right. And I think it's difficult. Like even stars can get starstruck. Russell Crowe being in a room with Denzel Washington, it's just like, I think that's two alphas going at each other. And they're just yeah. like, it's not going to, somebody has to take a step back. Right. And I don't think either one of them would take a step back. I don't think either one did wrong. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No. But yeah. I, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Two Somebody alphas is like. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. There can only be one bull in the corral. Yeah, yeah. When, e- yeah. when Ethan Hawke goes toe to toe with Denzel mm-hmm. in Training Day, he knows when to be like Denzel's cooking. I gotta let him go. Right. And he's like, I'm gonna even when I have my shots, I'm going to take my shots in my specific way. I'm not gonna go Denzel big. Like right, he right. Has, you yeah. have to see the spotlight. You're not going to overwhelm Denzel Washington. Right. So I mean that that's that's yeah. probably a good way to put it. Um, how about how about maybe the most underseen Leonardo DiCaprio movie, Body of Lies, from uh, from 2008. Um, it is a CIA terrorism uh, uh, war on terror type movie. Um, I didn't think it was very good. Um, uh, it's 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 uh, uh, Crow is more of the guy in the uh, guy in the office, and DiCaprio is more the guy on the ground. It's not a very good movie, and it's 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 very unmemorable. It's probably the most unmemorable right. DiCaprio movie. So yeah, there's I mean there's sometimes I'm like, if I did see it, I don't remember it, so that can't I be good I for it. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you never saw it. Yeah. Um, how about uh, maybe kind of the not the end of his days of being a leading man but like lead the days where you're like okay his days are numbered uh as far as being an a-lister uh how about 2010's robin hood yes it's very mediocre just so 
So there, I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. And it could, and there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes production stuff that could have gone in a lot of different interesting directions. Um, and it just decided to go the safest possible way. So um, not surprised. Yeah, now, I didn't like it. I know how much you love musicals. You know it. And you know, but if you're gonna love a musical, why not have Russell Crowe be the one singing it to you? Have you seen Les Miserables? No. Okay. <laughs> no. So no. Les Miserables in the last decade is the last uh, Best Picture nominee that I've not seen. Um, wow. And I'm, no. I, I'm I'm going to I have it. I'm going to watch it later in the month in order to complete my decade essentially. But um, he is in it, and uh, Les Miserables is one of those movies we talked about, like Hamilton, where everything is sung, and. He, yeah, okay. he's in it and he has a gruff kind of terrible not great singing voice even though he's been in a band for a long time but i mean yeah i don't think he takes himself that seriously about it but uh <laughs> i i don't think i'm gonna give it a try <laughs> I, I don't even think i'm gonna try so despite him i i do appreciate his recognition to be like okay i'm not a leading man anymore but i'm gonna get in some interesting things and i'm really gonna bring heat uh did you see man of steel the superman movie with henry cable the first one no so um, in, in Man of Steel, the two dads, everybody is a really great actor in Man of Steel. Henry Cable being Superman, his dad on his alien dad is Russell Crowe. His human dad okay. is Kevin Costner. And in both huh. cases, both, they both bring the heat. They're both great. And hmm. he is really great as Superman's dad, alien dad. And he has a, it's kind of a plot device for him to still stick around and later off. So um, he sticks, huh. sticks around there. I'm usually not, you know, superhero comic into that, but that sounds interesting. It's, it's, it's flawed. Um, like I said, uh, Diane Lane's his Earth mom. Kevin Costner's his Earth dad. Russell Crowe's his alien dad. Michael Shannon's the bad guy. Um, it's, it does a lot of stupid, stupid things, mm. but, uh, but it's, it's not, it's watchable. Yeah. Um, how about, uh, probably his last gasp of being a true movie star, uh, Noah. Yes, I did. I've not seen Noah. I've heard it's a little wacky. It is. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when I first like watched the preview to mm -hmm. it, I'm like, obviously we all know the biblical story. Obviously. But obviously, we don't know a lot of the ins and outs. Sure. And open to interpretation, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's, there's, there's a lot you could do with that. Yes. And yeah, they went weird with it. <laughs> and it was, it was goofy. And like, he's Noah. Yeah. But he kind of isn't that great. Yeah. Uh, like, flawed. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I know yeah. It's, it's like, why are you God's chosen I'm gonna, dude? I'll watch like, it eventually whenever I have the chance, but it's not one of those things that I, I, I probably lost my <laughs> opportunity whenever it first came out. And now it's probably past the time to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't care for it. I guess one interesting aspect is like, you have to think about, okay, once the flood waters are rising. Yeah. There's going to be like, uh, bands of people trying to trying jump, to jump on, your on your boat, boat sure. and take it over and that, stuff that's like interesting that. i think there's a lot of interesting aspects from, from what i understand is like there's rock monsters and and stuff yeah. like goofy stuff like that so, yeah, yeah it went too goofy yeah, i think if you went more the, um, what how would this have been in a realistic aspect right, right like, like 
How did Hurricane Katrina go? Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes more sense. You know, yes. I mean, that would probably be that makes sense, but I don't know. But yes, I've seen it. Okay. So um, this is, I think this is the last movie he's made that was really great. It's a comedy. I think we talked about it on our, uh, I think their drive episode um, with Ryan Gosling, the nice guys. Um, yeah. Um, it's him and Ryan Gosling are uh, private detectives and they're, it's in LA and uh, Kim Basinger is actually in it too. Yeah. Um, yep. You have okay. seen it. Yep. Okay. It, I, okay. I really like it. Um, it's fun. Good times. Hi, hi by all. Um, okay. So now we've gone into, so I got two more. So one, this one I wanted to include because it's the first movie I remember. I, I believe this is the first movie that came out in theaters following the COVID pandemic. It is a okay. it is a road rage movie starring Russell Crowe called Unhinged. Mm-mm. He uh, it's essentially a he's a mentally disturbed guy and a lady cuts him off and he's not going to have it. And is it like falling down? Uh, yeah, but more along the lines of he's the villain as okay. opposed to like the lady the guy who's cut, just lost yes, it the guy it's... who loses it so uh i'm not surprised um it didn't do great i yeah. mean it was it was no it was, i haven't seen it them. was mostly just one of those things it's like hey this is a movie out in movie theaters i don't think anybody went and saw it but i mean same thing so the last movie i saw uh was a couple weeks ago it's on apple tv plus right now it's called the greatest beer run ever uh, I have heard about it. Yes. I watched a documentary on it. Yes. So, uh, but I haven't watched the movie. So yet. it is uh, Zach Efron plays a guy who is uh, a merchant marine and goes uh, on a foolish quest to give his buddies beer uh, who are stationed in Vietnam. And yeah. uh, Crow plays a photojournalist. Doesn't really have much to do in the movie. Has one spot in the movie where you're like, he really brings it. Really, yeah. it's like, ooh, there's the good stuff. Yeah. Like that, 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 that's the crow I know. Um, uh, still does some uh, random stuff around, and I'm not surprised if you uh, uh, if you do catch it. It's not a bad. Movie, so uh, I, I'm going to check that one out because, like I said, I, I saw that documentary. It's pretty. It's a pretty good story. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting story uh, and a true story. Efron does really well. Um, so you <laughs> you went. Um, let me see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You went the ten for the first ten. Yes. And then, and then you, and then it fell apart. Then you fell apart. You went, uh, you went two for the next eight. So 12 out of 18. That's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really not bad. So, uh, a pretty decent Russell Crowe knowledge. All right. So we are, uh, we are in the same room. Um, though, uh, though I guess I will still figure out a way. It is that time, Jake. You are in the hot box, sir. Each episode, instead of me staring the conversation, Jake peppers me with a series of questions that I must answer truthfully. Sometimes it's trivia, sometimes it is not. What you got? Well, see, normally I would read you your rights. <laughs> and in this movie, there yeah, is no Miranda. It's, it's pre-Miranda. <laughs> Pre-Miranda, and they do not care like you. It's like, but it wouldn't matter anyway. It wouldn't matter. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, you know, there's pretty epic shootout yes. in this movie. Yes, there is. Um, between um, Exley White and the corrupt cops. And the corrupt yes. cops. Yes. And um, so pretty good gunfight. And we kind of talked about it earlier is like the realism of reloads, magazine capacities, yes. how much ammo yes. you got, uh, that kind of stuff. So... I love a good shootout. Yep. 
but can you name me one of the worst movie portrayals of a shootout that you can worst think of? Movie as, as far as just the 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 realism of trigger dis- of, of of like a, a, a thousand endless ammo and um now you you pointed I, I wouldn't have thought of it but you pointed out open range a, yeah. a good movie that is great shootout it's endless supply of bullets but <laughs> yeah it's infinity infinity guns yes um uh man the, you know it's funny i think about it and uh, so i would point to um bad boys 2 oh is yeah any michael bay movie uh, uh the rock is a good one where you're just like man how much are you going to just fire 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 indiscriminately nobody ever changes a magazine it's yeah. just always like it's always semi-automatic it's and it's 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 a never-ending burst of fire like yeah. there's no there's no aim it's just it just keeps squeezing keep squeezing right um outside of open range is, is open range the one you were thinking of specifically or um i can't even necessarily think of one that's like man egregious because half the time when it's egregious uh, I mean, any you can point to like then, then it's, right? Then uh, it's it's not really a serious Rambo movie. First Blood Part Two, you know, mm. anything like like that, like right. Um, True True Lies is a great one, as far as like they shoot an unlimited amount of ammo at all times, and they never reload. I don't think it's any it's ever a factor, uh, stuff like that. So, um, I, more than anything, whenever it's specifically very like realistic as far as trigger discipline reloading all that kind of stuff it's more notable than anything else yes like yeah and i mean that's my next question and we talked about that earlier but what's the best shootouts that you've seen so uh there was a movie from uh the mid 90s called the way of the gun Mm -hmm. with ryan Philippi and benicio del toro and they're they're uh they're kind of ne'er-do-well bank robbers or uh, uh, kind of bandits and at the near the end of the movie they have this very epic shootout in a corral and everything is shoot 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 reload shoot 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 reload shoot shoot shoot. and and if you if you were to keep track of it all it then the bullets keep except one specific point whenever a guy is ducking and they keep shooting and he kind of goes that's that's weird. Why do they keep? How do they still have bullets? Like he's waiting for them to reload, and it never happens. Mm-hmm. But it's specifically like okay, it's pointed to specifically. Right. Um, the the club shootout in the first John Wick is yeah. probably the go-to as far as like he's got trigger discipline. He's got he reloads. He fires. He knows how much he has. He knows when he he reloads quickly. Um, he moves for the for the most part. I mean, I know it's a movie. But he moves like a tactician. Yes. And in real life, he is a highly trained yes. uh, gun guy. He he does a tactical, he always tactical training. Pistol, uh, or pistol, tactical pistol, <laughs> yes. Yes. tactical pistol yes. competitions and stuff like that. He trains with Terran Tactical, which is a big company and everything. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, from my understanding for the John Wick movies, he was like, okay, if I'm going to be a badass, I'm going to look I like want to be a badass. And it looks like it looks true to form. Like, yep. uh, um, and I, yeah, his reloads are. I would also I mean, point out uh, Heat, uh, the movie Heat. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. There's a bank, there's a bank robbery sequence. Um, apparently, uh, there's a part of the movie where um, 
Val Kilmer is shooting forward, shooting behind, shooting forward, reloads quickly, shooting forward to cover both ends. Uh -huh. Apparently, they show that in tactical classes as a way to cover yourself and reload at the same time. And huh. it's Bill Kilmer said it's one of his most prized things. The fact that huh. it's like, the, it's like, Hey, that's right. I did that. Of course, Val Kilmer nice. also on that level of like commitment of like, well, I got to learn how to do this type right. of thing. It looks right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, something else I'll just say real quick about, uh, shootouts and movies is like, um, there is one scene. Well, I guess it was a shootout scene in this where he hits him with a shotgun and, he just yeah. goes out the window <laughs> it's a, and and there's one there's this a scene in the shootout in open range where he just blows this blows guy, a guy through, through a, a door yeah, yeah well if you know anything about physics you would have to receive that in yeah. order to action yes yeah. so you if, equal but opposite if, if if you were to shoot a shotgun and it throw you back 10 feet that should in turn then, put yes. that person back 10 feet so yes um it's just it's always just a fun little I like it though. I, yeah, it's just, it's I would love to blow a guy yeah, out of a window. Once I saw him go through the window, I went, eh. <laughs> like, what <are> you <laughs> well, I think the same thing in open range. I'm yeah. like, I still love it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I mean, it's still good. And they, and they, and they do. And uh, I think uh, they've done it in John Wick movies too. He, oh, yeah. Now, now, at the same time, I think he is like shooting high powered rifles and guys get hit and fly across the room. I, it's obviously still a little different. It's, it still wouldn't do that. But yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got to make it so fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, have you ever been to LA? I have not been to LA. I've been to a lot of California, uh, San Francisco area, San Diego a few times, but I've never been to LA. Not any like specific reason. Now these days, yeah, it's just such a big place. Like, yeah, it doesn't sound real appealing nowadays. Not these days. I mean, it's, not from what I hear. It's just uh, you know um the the la in this movie is the la on the rise mm -hmm. and mm. like they're developing a freeway and mm -hmm. <laughs> all that kind of stuff so i mean it's a different type of la it doesn't it's it's doesn't even seem all that congested yeah it seems, pre seems pretty I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the reality of 1950s los angeles but regardless right. i mean yeah yeah it's very reminiscent of dragnet yes yes that's what it very much so yes. yeah that's a good way to put it yeah yeah, yeah um yeah i've only been to lax i've only been to the airport yeah. um why do you think cop movies are so freaking popular why are cop movies such a big thing it's so because we love the idea of an idealized hero that is a normal person mm -hmm. a cop is a regular guy in th in theory Right. It's a regular person who is not anything special and becomes flawed a, human a, being. Flawed, a flawed human being who becomes a <clears throat> police officer uh, for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Because it's like it's about justice and it's about service and all this, you know, all, all the, uh, the it's it's such an American ideal of a profession to be like. I want to serve my, I want to protect and serve. Right. And there's the noble idea and it's, it's probably a flawed ideal. Yeah. Because like, it's like, well, it's like, well, humanity seeps into that. And if we want to have that, don't have that flawed ideal, why don't we pay them better? Or right. why don't yeah, we yeah. like, uh, you know, all this kind of like, so there's a thousand things like that. And 
And half the cop movies are half corrupt cop movies. They're almost always like so think of the great dirty cop, cop movies. Think, think of great cop movies. Color, training Day, Colors, Training Day, Serpico, this um, American Gangster. Yeah, it's it's yes, they were good cops, but they were bad cops too. Yeah, and there's a lot of that. And I mean, it's 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 kind of a microcosm of human nature. It's like look at these guys with too much power, how they how they corrupt it, and look at these guys with the power who know how to do it correctly. Right. And so yeah, it's that captivating push pull of the two. So that's a kind kind of that. People still want there to be heroes out there. They still want to be heroes, and they want them to be normal people, and they want them right. to, uh, like like. Uh, but still, yeah, kind of blue collar dudes. Yeah, they, that that that's. I think that's an aspect of uh, Copland, the great one. Uh, Copland, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, if you think of like, like, it's they're just guys, and like you said, blue collar guys. It doesn't like it's how much of being a police officer is desk work, is paperwork, in the, in reality, it's it's. I mean, compared yeah. to, I mean, but you don't think of like police are, they're beat cops, they're yeah. officers, they have badges, they mean something. Yeah. And so I guess the, the, yeah, the, uh, the idealized version of what we want America to be. Right. And so it just, and now if, I'm trying to think if there's anything that there's a cop movie where the, I guess bad boys, weirdly. Um, I don't think any cops. Like where there's no corruption. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think. End of Watch. End of Watch is a good one. Yeah, that's a great example. That was, to me, and I was still a cop at the time yeah. that I watched it. To me, that was a refreshing cop movie. Yeah. Because all the cops were good. Yeah. Now, there might be an asshole cop. Sure. Or, you know, this, you know. But but, but nobody's breaking the no law. No one's corrupt. Yes. No one's yes. a big racist or anything yes. like that. It's... Yeah. They're all good guys trying to do their job, and it's it, it's so it was so rare. Like it's so rare in films, like from like, film. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's just it's a microcosm of America being like some are good, some are bad, and the good are gonna win out. Yeah, no, you know. I don't know. I guess I guess um, the just the drama or the controversy or the because it's like backdraft. Mm. Okay, that's a movie about firefighter corruption and, like and it's like, like come on like how corrupt can you get like how corrupt can firefighters be like <laughs> yeah and i mean but but that's the funny thing is that i i think there is pushback to that like we can't have dirty firefighters <laughs> it's like oh a dirty cop movie i'll go watch that <laughs> but like in, in general like you think of like ladder 49 it's like nope these are right. these are all heroes and they're yeah. all heroes and yeah like, okay well where's the conflict if they're all heroes that is and true. it's always like oh they're fighting nature it's like okay okay but like like yeah hu we need human conflict and all cop movies are human conflict and i man that is a good point now that you mention it that there's not a lot of firefighter movies because it's like Ladder 49 and Backdraft are pretty much the only That's ones. That's almost it. I mean, they made one about wildfire, like uh, forest, only the brave jumpers. Yeah, yeah, but it, that, but that's that's much that's the same thing. It's man against nature. It's not. It's not right. It's not corruption. And I think I think most people can probably identify with the conflict of man versus man much better than they can man versus nature. Most people aren't going to fight fires. I want to apologize. There is another 
firefighter movie. I can't believe I've not mentioned Howie Long's Firestorm, where he is a, <laughs> I believe he is a, it is a, it's an, it's, um, he's a, he's a smoke jumper, I think, and he's fighting villains in the, in a burning forest. <laughs> oh, God. Starring Howie oh, Long. Wow. So, I mean, what do you expect? So, <laughs> wait, I can think of another firefighter What's movie. That? Uh, Kevin James and Adam Sandler, where they <laughs> pretend to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> and they pronounce Chuck and Larry. Yeah, right <laughs> they're both firefighters. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I'm sorry, Ladder Forty Nine and Backdraft. How dare we exclude you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I would love to see a list of firefighter movies and make sure that I now pronounce. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go on there and change the Wikipedia entry if firefighter movies doesn't have I now pronounce Chuck and Larry. My God. Right. Jeez. Oh, so. Uh, you've already said this is uh, one of your favorite movies Absolutely. of all time. Is this your favorite cop movie? Yes. Uh, now, okay, so I go back and forth to, there are two movies in the 90s that I love more than any others. It's LA Confidential and Out of Sight. Out of Sight is a cop's robbers. Okay. It's Jennifer Lopez is a, is a U.S. Marshal. And George Clooney is a um, is an escaped convict, mm -hmm. and they have a romance slash got a cat and mouse type. Of yeah, thing. catch me um, if you can. Yes. kind of a um, thing. We'll do that eventually. Uh, yeah, because I don't think you've ever seen it. Mm. It's the best Jennifer Lopez has ever been, and ever will be. She will never be better. Everything about it works. Better than Anaconda. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Second best show ever. Movie. Okay. 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 Uh, in any movie where John Boyd plays a Colombian, you got to get on board with. So um, no, but uh, I mean, it's I, I don't. It's not necessarily a cop movie, mm. but it has a lot of cop aspects to it. Yeah. Um, this has got to be number one as far as like cops are the are ninety percent of the characters. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. This is the this is that one because um, uh, you know the others that I would be like. Okay, I would include those in my favorite movies of all time. This is the only one that's like, okay, this is very cop-centric. Out of sight is not necessarily about the cops. It's more about the it's it's more about the romantic relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, last one. Okay. Did Kevin Spacey do it? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh I I I'm sure I'll leave it alone. Uh you don't have to leave it alone. I'm sure he did it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. As this, sh like, the difference is, is that, like, he's not shown any sort of remorse or anything throughout the throughout. Yeah, only like bizarre posts and yes, stuff. Like yes. after you're like, okay, well, this guy is unhinged, or yeah. he has nobody in his life saying, "Oh God, don't do this." Yeah. So, it, uh, I because because like he even took on his character for like house of cards and then like put out a statement it's it it's it's it was truly like truly baffling okay like it's you know what you don't do whenever this stuff happens that. all the stuff he's doing yeah yeah so <laughs> um uh that that it's, it's essentially it seems like a dangerously ill man who, yeah uh, who probably did all the stuff he did yeah i think Allegedly. I think that I think that boy's cheese done slid off his cracker. That's a good way to put it. Cheese slid off his cracker, sir. I agree. All right, Ben. Well, instead of hitting you with uh, blackjack, I'll just let you go. <laughs> I appreciate. You're free to go. I appreciate that. Before we go, um, Jake, what is your film rating for LA Confidential? Your first time ever watching it. Yep, first time ever watching it. Excellent. I loved it. 
I love it more than anything in the world. Uh, you could, so I have a difficult time saying this is my favorite movie ever. Not because, yeah. not because it's, uh, because I have a flaw with it or anything like that. I just have a difficult time discerning what is. Yeah. Well, it kind of depends on the mood that you're in. If, if, if you were to say, so if, if you're left on a desert island, you get to watch three movies, LA Confidential is going to be in the mix. You're right. De it's definitely going to be on there. It's kind of like the Mount Rushmore analogy it's we going, talked yes. about. It's like going, it, On the Mount Rushmore of movies for me, it's up there. Right. Um, do I think it is the best movie ever made? No. Right. Do I think it's my favorite movie? Yeah. Probably yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah five out of five. Nice. Um, yeah. Hard, hard to deny. And it just, it's like I said, everything about the structure, everything about it, like um, the director died a couple of years ago. So I have nostalgia mm -hmm. for how great he was in that young Guy Pierce. And we didn't talk, we don't talk enough about Guy Pierce's eyes whenever he talks, whenever James Cromwell says, Roll with oh, yeah. and he does this widen, but not widen too much. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's how do you act? without now, doing man, anything he oh, he, he, he nails it he nails it so well he's like i have to widen my eyes because i realize what's going on but i can't widen it too much because it's yeah. gonna realize what's going on and then and then oh, it's so that that, that is a that great is scene exceptional it's an exceptional scene i found the gif of it and i'm probably posting that it, i'll probably post it on our twitter yeah it's so great yeah that that was I agree. that was a good little piece of acting there exceptionally well done uh the only uh the only main cast member has never been nominated for an oscar uh, Kim Basinger has one. Kevin Spacey has two. Uh, Russell Crowe has one. James Cromwell has a nomination. Danny DeVito has a nomination. Uh, and Guy, Guy, Guy? Guy Pierce putting in good work. Uh, you know, you, about what was he? Memento in? is the big Memento. one. Memento is the big one that everybody yeah. remembers. Uh, you, you know, still putting in a lot of good work. A lot of good, uh, still Australian movies. Uh, check out the. It, it might be one up your alley. A movie called The Rover. The Rover. It's a kind of post-apocalyptic, and he's kind of a nut. And Robert Pattinson's in it. Actually, the first time I ever like, oh, Robert Pattinson might be a good actor. Hmm. So uh, yeah, so uh, check that one out. But yeah, so uh, LA Confidential, I love it, um, and I'm so glad we are actually able to talk about it. I think that yeah. just about does it for this episode of the Film Critic of the Common Man. Thanks so very much for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter at Neb Ben and Letterbox at Nebic Ten on Instagram at Ben Miller Movies. Check out my website, IceCreamForFreaks.com. You can follow my other writing on film experience and cinema scholars. It's about Oscar season. We're about to start getting into a bunch of Oscar volleys. Uh, I did one uh, last week on the film experience with a guy, uh, a great writer over there named Nick Taylor. We talked about best editing, uh, the stupid category that is. Uh, got more reviews coming out this week. Find me on other pods as I'm David Thewlis of podcasting. Jake, where can the people find you? The oh, the frolic room putting a 50 on a glass of scotch. Uh, I think I'm going to get drunk at a Christmas party and go beat up some Mexicans. <laughs> And then maybe, God willing, you'll end up with a prostitute in Bisbee, Arizona. Hell yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Critic Common Pod. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Enjoy the show wherever you get your podcast. We very much appreciate uh, all your patronage. Uh, mm -hmm. It is December coming up, and we are going to do Christmas movies, and we are going to kick it off in style next week with uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We're going to have a blast with that one. We'll catch you all next time.
making my love stick. What's the trick? <laughs> <laughs>